This is Holistic Counseling, the podcast for mental health therapists who want to deepen their knowledge of holistic modalities and build their practice with confidence. I'm your host, Chris McDonald, licensed therapist. I am so glad you're here for the journey. Welcome to today's episode of the Holistic Counseling Podcast. I'm your host, Chris McDonald. Before we get to today's episode, I wanted to share an amazing review I got from Roma Holiday on Apple Podcasts. Roma says, I recently discovered this podcast and instantly loved it. She explains various holistic concepts and techniques very well. I'm learning a lot and her voice is so soothing and comforting. I want to thank you so much, Roma, for taking the time to write that review and I'm so happy it's been helpful. And I do hope you found my free gift, Becoming a Holistic Counselor, which is an email course available on the website, holisticcounselingpodcast.com. And a big shout out to you for being a listener. And I want to tell you about today's episode. I've really been looking forward to today's guest, Ken W. Stone. He is known as the Soul Archaeologist, which is a spiritual messenger, author, and healer. When people sit with him in transmission, they have a profoundly different experience of the divine in their body. For example, he's worked with a number of advanced former students of Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, who each said unprompted following their initial session with him, that was the deepest spiritual experience of my life. Ken shares his gifts with a spiritually diverse, growing international audience through a variety of virtual and in-person programs, retreats, and one-on-one work. A fun fact about him is he used to be a sound engineer, was once offered a job to go on the road with Waylon Jennings. He is here today to talk about soul embodiment and breaking the trauma cycle. Welcome to the podcast, Ken. Honored to be with you, Chris. Thanks for having me. So did you go on the road with Waylon Jennings? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it, was, it was one of those early experiences in life that served as an anchor. One of Love those it. regrets that, uh, you know, I learned some important lessons from not doing One of those crossroads, that. right? <laughs> yeah. Should I do this or not? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I always oh, wish right. that I had, but uh, but I didn't. Oh, okay. So can you tell my <laughs> listeners a little more about yourself and your work? Sure, yeah. I guess the, the most simple way that I can say this is that about, it's now, I guess, 15 years ago, in the fall of 2007, I was at a in-residence meditation retreat and a fellow participant wrote on a piece of paper, you should be working as a healer as we were doing the the closing meditation for this retreat. And I didn't know what the word healer meant. And I didn't know what he was talking about. And I started sobbing uncontrollably. I was making my living as a mortgage lender at the time. And so far away from a healer, huh? Very far away from a healer. And I mean, I, I really mean I had no idea what a healer was. And still, it just, it rocked me to my core, the statement he put on paper. And so anyway... That was kind of the beginning. Every step since then has been a deeper step into the unknown for me. And it's just been a really beautiful journey. And so now I find myself working with people in different parts of the world from all sorts of different traditions and backgrounds and beliefs and perspectives and supporting them mostly from an experiential dynamic, mostly in silence in having a a deeper experience of the divine by whatever name in their body, in their being, and in their life. So is this like energy healing or is that different? I guess you could call it energy healing. It's, I mean, 
a lot of people are familiar with energy healing, or that's maybe a, an accessible way to think about it, because there are modalities like Reiki or other modalities that people have learned, or somebody knows someone that does Reiki. In in my case, it's not a modality. It's not something I learned. It's just the spontaneous expression of divine presence in me, through me, as me. And that is enlivening the same in the individual or the group with whom I'm I'm working and with and or sitting with. And but I mean I can be sitting with people through a recording. I mean they might be listening to an audio recording of a session I did 10 years ago. And from their perspective, they're having an enlivening experience of divine presence now. The experience they're having, whatever it is from their particular lens, is unfolding in real time for them, even though it might have been something that took place, you know, quite a while ago. So do you call yourself a divine healer? What do you think your your job title is <laughs> career? <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like I'm I mean, I've I've tried on different titles over time. I I called myself a spiritual healer for a while, and that was a challenging title for me because of course I gave it to myself, but but it was a challenging title for me because the idea of healing, or at least most people's idea of healing, is that there's something wrong and it needs to be fixed. And what I discovered and continue to discover is that there is nothing wrong. It doesn't mean people aren't having challenges. This this is not about denying people and their experiences. It's just that I don't have an experience of people as being broken or flawed or whatever, all all the things that happen to individuals, you know, uh, physically, emotionally, mentally, and so on. The challenges that we face as human beings, when I work with people, I have an experience of them as an undistorted expression of the divine. And it's not an idea or a projection that I'm trying to impose on them. It's like, I mean, this might sound strange, but it's like a fact. It would be like if we could or we had the proper lens uh, to look at the sun, you and I, and we looked at it and I said, well, Chris, do you, do you see the sun there? And you'd say, well, Ken, yep, I see the sun. There it is in the sky. <laughs> do, do you see how beautiful that is? And, you know, maybe it looks beautiful to you too. And you might say, sure, yeah, that looks beautiful. But neither of us are trying to imagine the sun. We're not trying to imagine an object in the sky that's warming our faces or providing critical element for life on the planet and so on and so forth. Whatever our ideas of those things might be, it's just a fact. There it is in the sky. So just a fact. I'm trying to sit with that a minute. <laughs> it doesn't, it's a very difficult idea because the idea of the fact of wholeness is almost impossible to conceive of. At least to me it is. Yes. Uh, because wholeness is usually, I mean, let's just think of it in terms of physical home, wholeness or mental wholeness, mental health. Usually that's a contrast an imagined state of being or existence or expression that is in contrast to the experience that, let's say, I'm having of my body or my mind or whatever. And if we think about that, or if when I think about that, I think, well, then it's just not this problem. You know, that would be what wholeness would be. But as it turns out, wholeness is, is different than that. It might be not that for sure, but it, it's lots of other things as well. So it's just this spontaneous expression that is already within each human being. And 
it doesn't really matter what has happened to the individual, uh, what they've done to other people or what's been done to them. I mean, I've worked with people who have been through severely traumatic experiences, people diagnosed formally with complex post-traumatic stress disorder, for example, and for whom they haven't been able to discover any relief physically, emotionally, you know, on any spiritually in any way. But when I'm working with them, I don't, I'm sure this sounds strange, but I don't feel like I'm doing anything. I don't feel like I'm trying to cause something to happen. It's happening the same way that the sun is happening. If you and I have welding goggles on and are looking at the sun, for example. And I think healing too, is not, if you're a healer, it's not that you are, you're facilitating that through mm-hmm. the divine It's coming through you. Right. I think that's some of what you're saying too, right? Yeah. And I, I mean, I guess I started by saying I sort of struggled with the idea of the title of healer. And so the reason for that is this whole business of, you know, what is healing and so on. So, I mean, I one of the ways that feels more comfortable to me, although I've begun using healer again because it's an easy way to capture something that's very difficult to simply talk about or talk about simply is I what think I mean. people connect with that too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But spiritual messenger is something that that also oh, resonates with me. Yeah. What's what's a soul archaeologist? <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> I've never heard that before. <laughs> it's a name that that a friend of mine gave me. <laughs> I had done some work with her and some session work and supported her and 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 she's very good at at sitting with people and sort of discovering who they are, you know, at, at some deeper level and giving voice to that. And so she was doing this with me one day and she said, "Tell me what you do." And I said, "Well, you already know what I do." And she said, oh, I know, but just just say something about it. And I said, well, I don't know. I guess I, I help people uncover the buried treasure of divine presence that's already within them. And she said, you're the sole archaeologist. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the buried treasure within. So it reminds me some of what therapists do too. Exactly. Yeah. There's this journey of discovering all the different aspects of the self, I suppose. Yeah, and one aspect of the self is this undistorted divine expression. At least that's how I perceive it. Yeah. So I know you mentioned transmissions that you receive. Can you talk about that? What is a transmission? Well, transmission is a way um, that I have tried to language what happens when I'm in session with people. And I do session work with groups and individuals. So maybe it's in contrast to meditation. Meditation is, in my view, is something that someone can meditate by themselves. And of course, there are lots of different techniques and so on. And Maybe there's a guided meditation and all of that. And then, but when I'm working with people, I'm, there's a deeper, let's say, energetic or spiritual component of what's unfolding. And so, yeah, I just use a placeholder label of saying we're in transmission as a way of demarcating that for myself and for people I'm working with. And and as it turns out, it's demarcated in terms of the feeling or the experience that people have as well. Although often a client would start feeling the session maybe hours or days before it starts formally. So, oh, wow. I mean, some people have signed up or registered for a retreat 
you know, a month or two ahead of time and begun experiencing the work, the energy work, the the deeper spiritual work immediately as soon as they commit to participating. Of course, I'm not consciously aware of that. That's not something that I'm... You're you not know, putting it out there? No, I, I don't put anything out there. That's, I mean, I... I mean, of course, I have a website and so on. But what I what I mean is that I'm not. This work is not about an intention or sending yeah. something to someone or anything like that. I think of everything as energy, and and I'm glad you said that about some people feel the work before they even start. Because I know I have a Reiki person that I would reach out to. She she hadn't even sent out some of the energy, and I started to feel better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So exactly. I guess that's a similar thing. Yeah, just for sure. With that person or energy, I don't know what it is. I don't I have no explanation, but it's very strange. Yeah, it is strange. I mean, I think people have all sorts of interesting, strange, weird experiences, and then oftentimes the uh, the more the sort of off the deep end of the of the experience takes place when they encounter me. <laughs> it's just it's yeah. so it's so wholly different and. You know, there's it's sort of difficult to have a context to, for people that are experiencing it. You know, it can just really transport them and to um, a deeper interior space, and so it can be difficult to to try to find language to make reference to it or explain it. And I think sometimes there's not words. Truly, that we I think that's find a in great the human insight. language. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think from my perspective, the deepest work that we can do as human beings takes place without language. It's when we mm. release ourselves from the sort of obligations of language, which to me also include the illusion of separation. I think language is an artifact of separation itself. And so when we, and by the way, I think the illusion of separation is an extraordinary gift that we're receiving from the divine. So I don't see that as a, I know some people perceive that as a, a curse or a problem, but I, I don't see it that way at you all. You don't see it that way. No. Yeah. But in any case, if we let go of language, it seems to me we're freed from all sorts of things that have to be formed and we have an opportunity to move into the mystery, the unknown. We can still experience it, but we're, we're liberated yeah. from the structure of language. And I think if you've ever had a spiritual moment that like I've had recently with, I connect with my spirit guides and I got messages from them. And some of what they were saying about this issue I was having was, I, I still can't even put it into words, but I understood it. Does that make sense? <laughs> Oh my gosh, it so makes sense. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. I'm always trying to interpret. I mean, I shouldn't say always. When, when a client wants an interpretation, I'm attempting to convert an ineffable, non-language-based experience into language. That's so hard. It is hard. Yeah. I mean, I, I think in some ways, I'm, I've been blessed to not be trained. So, or come from a tradition. So I don't have the obligations or the structure that others have, have imposed. But on the flip side, I don't have any of the benefits of those <laughs> things true. either. I'm so, both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so oh, consequently, the language yeah. that I have is, is, uh, is kind of strange because I'm just, you know, uh, it's like I'm creating or are trying to articulate a structure without any tradition or, or reference point. So how did you take that leap from, you know, somebody had mentioned that you're a healer and you're in finance, right? And then moving on to where you are today. I'm just really curious about that, like those steps involved, because that had to be like, what in the world am I doing? 
Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, some of it had to do with at that time in my life, I had just turned 37 and it felt to me like my life was really falling apart. And for about the six months prior to that, that day, I had been spontaneously asking while doing uh, some visualization exercises from a book by Charles Honnell called The Master Key System. The spontaneous question was not in the visualization or I don't know where it came from, but in it came. And the question was, what is my purpose? And so in some ways I was, I was primed on so many different levels, you know, a really kind of radical transformation, but you know, who's really ever prepared for radical transformation at a time. Right. But then, you know, it's more like after the fact you think, oh, well that kind of makes sense. But in any case, I, I hired him for an intuitive session. I'd never had one in my entire life. Never seen a psychic. Wow. Really felt drawn to it ever. I mean, and I, I spent junior high and high school and college years in Boulder, Colorado. You'd think I would certainly have the street cred and so on for the location that I live, but I just never just felt any, huh? just hmm. had no appeal whatsoever to me. And even just lots of skepticism about it. And still I hired him. And in that session, it was a couple of days after Christmas that year. And, uh, of course, I wanted to know, is my life going to turn out? You know, there's this big mess of a life going on. <laughs> what's what's going to happen? And all he wanted to talk about was healing, blah, 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 healing. And when when he goes into session, he goes into trance. So his voice changes. I mean, it's just, oh, wow. in a way, just too weird for words, you know? Certainly, that's how I felt about it then. And uh, anyway, I came out of the session and I, I thought I heard him say three things. Uh, you know what you're doing. You don't need to be trained. Just go do it. Oh, and I should tell you, I mean, to add to this, when we came out of silence in September, his first words to me were, and these made me cry while also wondering if there was a nearby psych ward for him. His words were, you're going to discover you've done this in many prior lifetimes, and this is more natural than breathing for you. Whoa, so, that's deep. So it is deep and and also uh, almost too much for me to even comprehend. So anyway, when he said these things in December, I mean, who knows why I took them as, I mean, okay, I guess this is how it is. And, you know, somebody had a, a uh, migraine on the 1st of January and I said, can I put my hands on your head? And they allowed me to and my hands and feet started buzzing and their migraine went away. You know, I had some experiences like that, which were, I guess, kind of low-key and easily dismissible. And then I had a couple of experiences around about March of 2008 that were not run-of-the-mill and not easily dismissible at all. They were, they disturbed me, actually. The reason they disturbed me is because of the, the impact that the healing had on these two different individuals. One was a gentleman I met at the retreat who randomly called me up, you know, in March and said, Hey, what's up? And I said, Hey, apparently I'm a healer. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he said, uh, he said, can you find it in your heart to heal me? And I was like, I mean, there's nothing to find. Of course I'll do whatever I can. What's up. And he told me about these various medical challenges he was facing. And he had gone to Eastern medicine and Western medicine and nobody could help him. And so I did a session with him immediately, actually. He went, he was in the Midwest of the United States and I'm, I'm out here in the West, in Colorado, and we weren't even on the phone. He just went and meditated by his lake on his land. And I went from my mortgage office down to my truck in the parking lot inside of my <laughs> truck. <laughs> and, 
and did a session for 20 minutes or something. And, you know, he had this spontaneous healing. I mean, all these things that were wrong were within 24 hours, not wrong anymore. Wow. And, and this was a guy who had, um, he had traveled around Europe with Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. He was a certified teacher with the Art of Living Foundation, which is how we met at an Art of Living Foundation retreat. And he was also a certified teacher with, I can't think of the organization, what their other names were, but at one point, maybe they're called this now, EST. Earhart seminar training. Or I think I've I, heard any, of them. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I can't. A landmark forum is another name for them. Anyway, so, I mean, the point is he was, you know, he had his his credentials in things that were unconventional. He said to me, I'm having a hard time talking about this because it was such a profound experience. I mean, by far and away, this was the deepest spiritual experience of my life. Oh, and by the way, all these you know, physical issues were immediately cleared up. I mean, it was like, for me, it was like getting hit in the face with a two by four because it was until then I thought, whatever, this isn't real, who cares? And when he said that, I thought, oh my God, what is this? The, the other one was a friend of mine. His wife is a veterinarian and she'd been bit by a cat the day before we were having lunch. She'd been bit on a Wednesday, lunch on Thursday. And I was telling him all the ways my life was falling apart and he didn't get up and run away from the table. And so I thought, well, I'll go for broke. I said, apparently I'm also a healer. <laughs> and he, his response was, well, can you do a healing on my wife without her knowing? Let's do an experiment. And I, I didn't understand the importance of permission and all that at the time. So I did a healing. And uh, the following day, at the end of the day, I get a voicemail from him. The doctor had called and in a panic and said, we got the lab's cultured from Wednesday. You have to get to the hospital immediately. I'll meet you there. And they rush to the hospital and he unwraps her thumb and there's absolutely no evidence that she was bit. There's no wound. Oh there's goodness. nothing. The doctor, I mean, what well, my friend, the language he used was the doctor wigged out, like completely lost his mind. Like, what is going on here? And again, for me, it was like, not a two by four, but a six by six. I mean, it was really, it, it actually was upsetting to me. It was like, what? How is how this is possible? That, how is that even possible? Yeah. Hmm. So that was the beginning. Those were the things that just... Yeah, and I appreciate you sharing that. That's, yeah. that's so fascinating to hear that journey. And, and for you, it seems like you had to wrap your head around what was going on. It took and, me a while. Yeah. Yeah. And to accept this gift. Truly. Yeah. Acceptance is... I mean, I had an idea of what my life would be. And accepting this gift was you know, in a big way was, it brings up all this emotion for me. It was about letting go of the life I thought I was going to live. Yeah. You know, this is not... That's intent. Truly. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought, well, I, I think I understand my life. And the, the reality was I didn't have a clue. I had no idea. Thus became, you know, basically every day, a new step into the unknown, a, a deeper, more intimate journey with the divine, you know, working with people all over the world and people of different traditions and people who disagree about spirituality and so on. But when I work with them, they find something in what I'm saying or what they're receiving in the silence and are opening to a deeper experience of God by whatever name. I mean, it's just, it's just been absolutely extraordinary. And, you know, uh, I suppose like any deep inner work, profoundly challenging and, and beautiful. 
And it sounds like you have to embrace that, right? That this is who you are. And, you know, it seems like you got a lot of humility with this too. And like, really, this was something I was able to facilitate. Yeah. I mean, can you can see how this kind of thing could be, go the other way, you know, it'd be really easy to, you know, to think, oh, well, this is me or I'm, you know, look at me go or... And I'm not saying I don't have an ego or any of that. I mean, I in in my sound engineering days, I I walked up to a band once. And I'm embarrassed to tell you this, but but you know, let's keep it real here. Keep it I walked real, yeah. I walked up to a band after they had played at a venue, and I said, "If you ever want to sound good, give me a call." And I give them my business card. Oh wow! <laughs> so I mean, this was the arrogance of my of me and my yeah. youth. But the point is, I mean, we all have those moments, I guess. I and I probably had lots of them. And in this is just this, you know, return to yeah, I don't know, a much more vulnerable, authentic place of humility and and real deep connection to to people and and all sorts of. And to myself and in my own challenges and suffering and, you know, experience of life and so on. I mean, it can be very challenging for people to navigate. And um, I've been, you know, like a practitioner of last resort for a lot of people. And so. That's sad in some ways, isn't it? It is. It's sad that people. So much suffering for so long. Truly, truly. And on the flip side, you know, it's really, it's incredible to be able to. Yeah. Sit with somebody who's suffering and just have watched them blossom to have a radically different experience of themselves, not not over the course of months or years, but in moments, like just wow. Like they're having a completely different experience of themselves. There was a this guy who had been deployed through multiple war zones complex PTSD. I did three sessions with him and his body healed, his mind healed, his life healed. It was crazy. It was absolutely nuts. His PTSD was gone. His triggers were gone. I mean, it was like he was a different person. I mean, he he couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. It was like, what is? You're both like, I don't this? believe this. <laughs> Truly, he would and he would yeah. tell me about it, and I would think, what is this? Is crazy? Wow. So, how would you describe soul embodiment? Well, I think of it. I think of the soul as the pathway through which we encounter divine presence, or it's the animating expression of divine presence. So the way I perceive the soul is that when it's home in the body, it's down in the hips, and it's enlivening every aspect of the being. But the soul has this tendency, at least in separation, to to disembody when it encounters trauma or challenges or whatever, you know, just some dissonance. It could be physical, emotional, doesn't matter. And when it disembodies, it moves up in the body. It moves from the hips up through the torso. And and uh, actually, we've probably all seen somebody in a disembodied state and didn't realize it or wouldn't have put those words to it. You know, somebody who's been going through chemo or or radiation or something or just a very traumatic event, it's like the light goes out in their eyes and there's that dullness there. That's the soul has disembodied up above the eyes. And so soul embodiment, a conscious soul embodiment practice is just supporting the soul and coming home and uh, all the way down into the hips. And as it comes home, it enlivens everything. So all the stuff that is the undistorted expression of you gets enlivened. So 
Woohoo, that's great. And then all the all the trauma, all the noise, all the dissonance, all the things that are held and unresolved physically, emotionally, you know, on whatever level. Those also get enlivened. And if there's a conscious embodiment practice, then they also are transmuted. And so it's just a really profound kind of process of being able to open up to an experience of who someone really is, not who they're afraid they really are or who they hope they really are, but as, you know, as this undistorted expression of divine presence called, you know, Ken or Chris or whomever with, you know, my personality and yours and so on. I mean, I think it's easy to get into a projection and imagine this is some idealized whatever. It's it's a human expression, but it's it's really beautiful. So how does that happen? So if somebody's soul is embodied, I'm thinking like trauma since a lot of therapists are listening. Yeah. So how can we help clients to get back into where they're embodied more? Well, you know, I've really been thinking a lot about this because I feel like there's a real opportunity for therapists to support this kind of work. And I mean, I think there are lots of examples of, aside from, let's say, how the divine expresses through me and you know, whatever weirdness goes on in session and all of these things. Embodiment, for sure, is one of the things that's always happening. And so, I mean, if people wanted to experience that, I can offer a resource where they can go experience that for themselves. But beyond that, I mean, there are, and so, I mean, it'd be wonderful to to share that and share that with people in their practice and all that. But beyond that, I mean, one of the, I think there are lots of examples that maybe aren't named soul embodiment experiences, but where that happens. Like um, in Kirtan, in sacred chanting. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a just a deep embodiment that takes place. Here's another way of thinking about embodiment. Becoming present is widely recognized as kind of one of the keys, right? To kind of unlocking all of these different insights into self and you know, being able to express more completely and so on. Uh, Soul embodiment is a part of the process of becoming present. When you're embodied, you are absolutely present. So think of other ways that as a practitioner, how as a therapist, how you support people in becoming present. One of the things that's happening with that is soul embodiment. And when soul embodiment becomes a conscious practice, it will transmute those traumas in a really, I mean, it's its almost like soul embodiment is fanning the flames of a fire. And you can think of the fire however you want. I mean, in some traditions, it would be thought of as the fire of the Holy Spirit, let's say, or but it doesn't need to be a religious thing, right? Or, or, or even a spiritual thing. If you just think of it as straight energy, embodied in the head is like the mast and the sail of a ship. Embodied in the heart is like the mast and the sails and the head and the hull of a ship. You think, hey, that's the whole ship, right? But if that ship goes out to sea and faces challenges or opportunities, it's going to capsize because the keel hasn't been dropped. But embodied in the hips and the heart and the head, we've got a keel, a hull, and a mast. And if the winds of challenge or opportunity in life blow, that ship behaves totally differently now. It's capable of performing in all sorts of sort of crazy environments out at sea in life, in the sea of life. And so in, but if it's conscious, 
that is a totally different resource than accidental. So the the key from my perspective is to support people, not just in transmuting trauma and coming to, into this deeper visceral experience of their wholeness, of their embodied selves, but then to anchor that in and open that as a resource every day in their lives. And what happens as a result of that is absolutely extraordinary. It's amazing. Spontaneous healing, all sorts of just really beautiful things. People come in contact with their their own spiritual gifts. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely extraordinary. And I would venture to guess that most therapists, whether they have this, whether my language resonates or not, you all have an experience of this because when you're in session with a client, you're present with the client. You're not just present with yourself, you're present with, hopefully, right? (laughs) With the client as well. And when you're present in that way, there are all these resources. And I don't know how you all talk about them. I mean, I think of them as spiritual resources, but whatever, right? Whatever you want to think of them as, there are all these resources that are in the room. They're in that person's body. They're in their being. They're in the session to support the work that aren't there if you're not present. Yeah. Sometimes just being present with someone can be very therapeutic and help towards healing. Oh, it's profound. I mean, I, I, it seems to me that presence is maybe the thing that we most, I mean, it certainly has an extraordinary value to any human being to have another human being be present with them. And then to be consciously present is just... Yeah. Fireworks, you know, it's incredible. Take it up a, another notch. For and sure. And when you talk about the hips too, and all, it just brings to me, because I'm a certified yoga counselor, yeah. teacher, and I'm just thinking yoga, how this ties in with that too, yeah. and how that's such a profound gift that we can teach clients to, to be able to connect to their bodies, to get that present moment awareness through movement and breath. It's all, all connected. All connected. Really powerfully connected. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's wonderful to me as I, you know, continue to interact with other people and support other messengers and so on. You know, I've learned a lot of these things from people. Oh, there's this whole, there's a reason why this is true. And here's here's the school of thought on this. And here's all the expertise. And from my perspective, it's just all sort of showed up to me intuitively or been given to me in download or whatever. And so it's wonderful to see the, the confirmation of those things and recognize yeah. the the awareness being shared in various traditions from different perspectives in such a powerful way. What's a takeaway you could share today that could help listeners that might be just starting their holistic journey? Knowledge is overrated. The thing that matters is experience and you're already having an experience in your holistic journey. It's the thing that brought you here. So let go of a concern about understanding or knowing And be in the experience because all the resources that you need and that everyone you will ever work with needs are there. Perfect. I think those are really wise words to really keep in mind through all this. Because I think a lot of us are out there like, what training can I take? (laughs) What can I get certified in? And how can I learn this? And, but yeah, so that's, that's a good Good reminder. So what's the best way for listeners to find you and learn more about you? The best way is just to go to my website, kenwstone.com. And if you're curious about this way that the divine expresses through me and want to have a little experience of that for yourself, there's a 17-week class that I offer for free. That's uh, 
self-study program called Exploring Divine Resonance. And you can register for it on my website and just put your name and email address in and you'll get a login to my online learning platform and the classes will start being delivered through your email or you'll get a link to the, each class. And there are transcripts and video and audio of each class. And each class includes some teaching, some reflection from me and some time in transmission, some Q&A, and then an opportunity for participants to add questions and ask things of me. And then I respond through the online learning platform and writing to those. So I'd love for anyone that... That sounds amazing. Oh, it's an honor to share it. And I, I'm, it was a wonderful class to teach. And I feel like I'm still teaching it and engaged in it every day because new people register all the time and have questions. It's yeah. a wonderful resource. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Ken. I really appreciate it. Such an honor to sit with you, Chris. Thank you for the work you're doing and for the opportunity to join with you today. And listeners, don't forget to join us for another episode next Wednesday. Did you love this episode with Ken? So remember to subscribe and take the time today to rate and review so we can continue to get even more impactful guests. And this is Chris McDonald sending each one of you much light and love. Till next time, take care. If you're loving this show, Will you rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform? This can help us to reach more holistic therapists and bring even more impactful guests to the show. And once again, thanks for being a show supporter.